This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I tell you what, I am so glad to be a Christian. You know, I know that uh, before I was a Christian, I lived 28 and a half years for the devil, that I was full of fear, scared of my own shadow, never knew what was going to happen. I remember sometimes I'd wish it was nighttime so I could go to sleep. Then I'd get in bed at nighttime and worry about the next day. I wish it was morning time so I could get up. That's because the devil was my master, not Jesus. But when Jesus became my Lord, I've learned I can laugh at the devil. I can laugh at circumstances. I may not know, I may not know the answer, but I always know the one that has the answer. I remember one of the most, uh, Tragic times when I was a pastor years and years and years ago, I had a young dad die and left a wife, young wife and five children behind. I remember standing up at the hospital with that wife just come out of the room with the dead body laying in there. I love this man. Come out of that room and his, of course his wife was so distraught, those five little children around her and some of them were old enough to be able to look at life and think of things. And I remember uh, about the third one down from the top, said, Pastor, what are we going to do? And I remember I looked at him right in the eye, that little boy, and I said, I don't know what we're going to do, but I know who does, and we're going to talk to him, find out what we're going to do. And so that's a whole lot what's going on today. As far as the natural things, there are a lot of things I don't know about right now, but I know the one that does. Amen. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Fear is the opposite of faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Fear comes by hearing all those other voices. So I've made the choice. I've got to hear the voice of the Word of God more than I hear those other things. And the Lord told me something years ago that I kind of guide my life by. He said, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. I'm not in denial. I know, I know how serious the COVID-19 is. But I know how serious Mark 16 is. Lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, they shall recover. Amen. I know James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes to the Father above. Says there's no shadow of turning. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and forever. And so I know this. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. I'll do all the natural things I know that I'm supposed to do. And just like three years ago, when stage four blood cancer slipped into my life, and then the same year, had a heart attack with 99% blockage of my main heart artery, the same Jesus that heals blood cancer. Same Jesus that heals hearts. And by the way, heart doctor says... I'm excellent, 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 excellent. Do anything I want to do. The cancer doctor says, just talked to her two weeks ago, said everything is perfect, 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 perfect. And so the same Jesus that heals all those things, if this stupid virus happens to slip into my life, I'll look to the same Jesus to do the same thing he's always done. And so I'm not going to live by fear. Say that. Say, I'm not going to live by fear. I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God. Who loves me, who died for me, who I'll see face to face someday. Amen. Shout again and give, give glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what. This could be the most dreadful times or the most joyful times, depending on how you look at it. You know, I think, I think about the world has a way they say things and they think it sounds good. But then the Bible has a way they say things, and it's how God would say it. How many have ever heard the, heard, heard the analogy, is the glass half full or half empty? Anybody, anybody ever heard that? Well, what does Psalms 23 say about your glass? So my cup runneth over. Amen. In John 10.10, 10, the last part of that verse, the Amplified Bible, Jesus said, He came that we may have and enjoy life in abundance to the full, till it overflows. And so, quit looking at that glass of being half full. Start looking through the eyes of the Word of God and say, My cup runneth over. 
with joy, with health, financial security, whatever it is that you need, mental peace, deliverance from alcohol, drugs, or any kind of addictions, say, my cup runneth over. Say that. Amen. Let's look through the eyes of the Word of God of whatever we do. Amen. Now, we're going to be talking today about how you can choose for 2020 to be for you and your family, how you choose. And so I, I just want to, I wrote down something this morning from the last two weeks from Mrs. Pastor Wednesday night was awesome. You can watch it online now. Our Pastor Dave last Sunday. But I wrote these notes down and prepared for what we're looking at today. Last Sunday, Pastor Dave started a series about believers not behaving like people that haven't been born again. The Bible differentiates between the lost and the saved. The unsaved and born-again Christians. Now, we're supposed to be witnesses and examples to the world around us. You know, Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch. We're not the blind. We walk by faith and not by sight. And what that means is this. We walk by what we see with the eyes of our spirit and the Word of God and not by what we see of our natural eyes. You know... There's so much I can say, and I'm going to go with the Holy Ghost on this, but as we were worshiping God, I was thinking about something that a lot of Christians don't realize. We live in parallel worlds. We live in two worlds at the same time. How many know that your born-again spirit is not the same thing as your physical body? When your physical body falls over and gets put in the grave, your born-again spirit goes on. Your spirit is part of the spiritual realm, but you need an earth suit to navigate through this physical world. Where the earth suit lays down, the spirit comes out. And Paul said that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. One day, your spirit man will stand in front of Jesus. And give an account for what you did down here. That's not your body, that's your spirit. And your brain will stay behind because your brain's part of your body. And your soul is connected to your spirit, and your soul is where your reasoning processes come from. It's where your will to follow God or not follow God comes from, and your soul and your spirit will go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And so in these two worlds we live in, what you do in the spiritual will determine how this physical world you live in around you treats you. Amen. You could either choose to feed on all the doubt, the unbelief, the garbage, and the natural facts. Because natural facts are real. They're natural things. But the spiritual is more real. How many know that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says in the beginning, God? God was in the beginning. And God looked at the earth, and a natural fact was, the earth was dark. That was a fact. God didn't know it was dark. But God didn't want dark. So the Holy Spirit, it says, brooded across the earth and looked at things. And then God spoke and God said, let there be light. God changed the dark earth into a place of light and life by what he said. We as believers cannot deny it's dark, 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 dark all around us. It's not hard to see dark, but it takes faith to bring light. And we as believers, Jesus himself said, we are the light of the world. Jesus is the great light, and we're little lights. We can light up the world for our families. We can light up the world on our jobs. We can light up the world everywhere we go if we learn what we're going to talk about today. I want to say it again. We're spirit beings. Our spirit is born again. Our spirit has the life of God in it. And one day, our spirit and our soul will come out of this body and it'll lay down. But right now, our body has some things called eyes. Our body has ears. We have senses. Our body senses what's going on around us. It sees and hears what's going on around us. But then, our senses filter through our soul to our spirit to see what our spirit's going to do about it. Amen. If we fill our spirit up with the word of God, we're filled our spirit up with faith. 
And what our senses tell us, bad disease out there, bad plague. What our senses tell us, country doesn't look good right now, lots of bad things in the country, and it comes into our heart. If our heart's full of the Word of God, our heart rises up in faith and says, In the name of Jesus, this will come to pass. In the name of Jesus, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we will overcome. In the name of Jesus, no plague will come nigh my dwelling. In the name of Jesus, we're always going to have more than enough in my house. But if you don't fill your spirit up with the Word of God, the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. If you fill your heart up with fear, then when that comes, instead of God, God looked at the dark. If he hadn't been God full of life, he would have said, oh, it's dark down there. I better give up. That's not what I wanted. If your spirit is full of the knowledge of the world, you're going to run and hide. Amen. And so we're going to look at today what to do to change those things. So anyway, David's title last week, Pastor Dave, was called Love Riot. And he said that riot, the R-I-O-T, he made an acronym out of that. He said he got off Carmen years ago. Carmen, the, this, the, the singer, said Love Riot. The riot stands for Righteous Invasion of Truth. What this world right needs right now is an invasion. A man needs an invasion of truth. I guess who the carriers are of the gospel. It's us. We're gospel carriers. And so as a Christian truck driver in the early 80s, 1980s, not 1880s, I'm not that old, but 1980s. When I was out among a lot of messed up people, in the 1980s there were messed up people. In the 1970s there were messed up people. I know in the 1960s there were messed up people. I was, <clears throat> I was coming to age in the 60s. I remember the Vietnam the riots. I had friends that were over there back when it started. I had friends that died. I had friends that stood on the racial the racial fighting lines up in Detroit, Michigan. National Guardsmen back in the 1960s. They were up there with empty rifles and things burned around them in the 60s. This isn't anything new. Amen. These things aren't new. And so with all these things going on, and then all the turmoil in the 70s, even boy, the 70s that's some good years. You know, somebody's talked to me the other day about that. I saw somebody wearing platform shoes. I said, well, I had an afro. I had an afro. I had to pay for mine. It wasn't free. I had an afro back in the 70s. I wore, I thought I was Mr. Cool. I wore bell-bottom pants, flowery shirts. I even had one of the goofy little picks I stuck in my hair because I wanted to have a good one. And I, I wore the platform shoes, the bell-bottoms, and I thought I was cool. Man, that, that was a that was a bad generation, and I'm sorry to say that I lived through that. Well, I'm glad I lived through it, but I, mean, I, I was a part of that stupid thing. And so what I'm saying, in the 80s, in the 70s, I lived like that. Then in the 80s, I got born again. In the early 80s, there was a lot of messed up people that I ran into every day as a Christian truck driver. And these people did not like my Christian lifestyle. The people I ran with, I croused with, I smoked things I shouldn't have smoked and drank things I shouldn't have drank and did things I shouldn't do. But all of a sudden, I was a born-again Christian. I was bold, but I didn't go around condemning people to hell by how they lived because I used to live like that too. And so, but my lifestyle. Paul said that our lifestyle will convict them of their sin. Because we don't run like they run and do what they do and talk like they talk. They get convicted and they don't know how to handle us as Christians that are living right except to lash out at us. And so I had, I had fellow truck drivers I used to drink and run with. I had customers that I delivered freight to that couldn't understand me so I wouldn't laugh at their sex jokes. I wouldn't join in with their racist talk. I wouldn't cuss like they cussed. I wouldn't get mad where they wanted to slam the boss in the company. I'd just smile and talk about Jesus. And so my, my lifestyle convicted them. And so Jesus gave me a verse. He gave me a verse and the choice to do what I, what it said or allow myself to get sucked into the, to, to all the muck and the mire and the strife and the discord around me and the hatefulness. And so Pastor Dave last week referred to this verse. I've been talking about Romans chapter 12, verse 21, but I'm going to read it out of the Phillips translation. 
Romans 12, verse 21, we got it up there? That's good. Yeah. And so, and so anyway, Jesus gave this to me. Pastor Dave re, re, referred to this last week. And you need to write this down. This is marching orders for today. When all these attacks were coming on me because of my Christian faith and how I lived, Jesus gave this to me. He said, don't allow yourself to be overpowered by evil. Well, if you don't allow yourself to be overpowered by evil, what do you do? It says, take the offensive, overpower evil with good. Take the offensive, overpower evil with good. And I want to say this, what that meant to me back then. I had people that all I had to do was show up on my job by smiling face. The first thing they wanted to do was call me a four-letter word. Just because they hated how I lived. I knew it was the devil in them. And I knew it wasn't personal things, but strangers would give me a hard time. But Jesus said, don't just stay back and ignore it. Take the offensive. Get on the attack. Said you attack them first with good before they attack you of evil. Amen. And so... When I would come up to a place, I'd tell somebody I was all wound up like a rattlesnake ready to strike. First thing I'd do, man, I'd give a big smile. Good morning, how you doing? And ignore the trash talk. And shake their hand. I couldn't do that today, though, could I? I'd give the elbow. Man, that wouldn't be good. I might get hit. But anyway, I, 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 I would find out ways to do that. I would buy them a cup of coffee. I'd buy their lunch. I'd do something nice no matter what they did. And you know what I found? Most of the time, over a period of time, when I hit it and hit it, it was on the attack, every time I saw them, they'd start changing. Some people didn't, but most of them, they started changing because I got on the attack. Amen. You know, a lot of you have never heard this kind of stuff before. This is the Bible. He said, take the offensive. You don't roll over and lay dead with somebody shooting at you. I'm talking about spiritual attacks right now. You gotta recognize what's going on. And so as you, as you begin to reach out and smile and love and not retaliate with more words out of your mouth, says you're overcoming evil with good. Amen. And so anyway, that, that, that verse, Took me through a lot of things. And you need to learn that verse for today. You need to write that down. You need to put it on a three by five card. Put it on a screensaver. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your wall. With all the things going on. Because right now there's a lot of people that are messed up because of the way life currently is. And they're looking for answers. And we have the answers. I said, I'd say this before. I'm going to say it again. The answer is just real simple. If you're a new Christian. Or if you're a Christian that's never really studied your Bible. All you have to know is the name of Jesus. You've got the answer right there. That'll open up everything else. You know, the Lord showed me something one time years ago. When I was single, I used to do a lot of evangelism. And everywhere I went, I was a beacon for Jesus. I handed out salvation tracts. I'd, I'd, I'd go to ghetto areas of Indianapolis where, uh, I don't know how to say it, except white guys shouldn't be. I'd go to places where I wasn't supposed to be. But God put it on my heart to go to places that really needed help. And I'd go in there. And I remember one day... One day, there's a bunch of people, as Pastor Dave said the other day, they weren't the same color as me. And they surrounded me in a bad part of Indianapolis like they was going to hurt me. And so what I did, instead of getting full of fear, I reached in my pocket and I carried these salvation tracks, had Jesus right across the top of it like that, and this said, loves you. And man, when they come after me, I started patting out tracks. I said, man, we got an appointment today. Jesus sent me to see you. Started handing out tracks. And the whole climate changed. As soon as I said the name of Jesus, started putting that in their hands, everything changed, and they were eating out of my hands. They were eating the love of God. And so Jesus showed me something. Has anybody ever seen those Animal Kingdom shows where they want to put a tag or something on a big rhinoceros or some big ferocious animal, and they shoot it with a dart? And they shoot with the dart, that big thing that could have destroyed them falls over, and then they can do whatever they want to do? He told me, that we're out in situations like that where you feel threatened, get the name of Jesus out of your mouth. And the name of Jesus is like a dart. It goes in and paralyzes the devil behind the thing trying to hurt you. And you paralyze the enemy, then you talk to people. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. We have something the world doesn't have. We have the name of Jesus. 
And if we're living for Jesus, he will back up his name. Amen. Well, Mrs. Pastor Wednesday night then taught on a message called untying God's hands. Untying God's hands. Now, listen to this, what she said. I got a quote right here. She said, don't lay back and live in la-la land. I don't know what la-la land is, but she talks about it all the time. So it must be something real because I know she's a woman of God. And so I'm not going to live in la-la land. Say that. Say, I'm not going to live in la-la land. She said, don't lay back and live in la-la land. Our number one job is to reconcile the lost to God. Our number one job. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How many know right now that the lost are really seeing how lost they are right now? And I want to say it again. Jesus himself said, if the blind leave the blind, they both fall in the ditch. You're not the blind. You're walking through this blind world by faith and not by sight. These people around you need answers. And if you're living is fear like they're living because you don't know the future, then number one, I'd say read your Bible and you'll know the future. Come to church. Turn off the internet, turn off the TV more. As a matter of fact, when Pastor Dave said something, well, I'll go about the singing stuff in church, I never heard that because I, I don't get, I don't get caught up. In, I, I really try to have enough information to know, but Mrs. Pastor said something on the way to church about that. I thought, really? They said something like that? Pastor Dave said that? I'm not going to let the stuff out there override my faith of what's going on. Amen. And so don't live in la-la land. We need to win the lost. We've got to have the answer. And so what I want to say is this now as we get into what I've got today. And it's all flowing together because the Holy Ghost is the same Holy Ghost right here as anywhere around the world. And you know what the Holy Ghost is saying, what he's always saying? Live right. Let your light shine. Go to church. Read your Bible. Pray and be always ready to give an answer to people around you. The Holy Ghost hasn't changed. Anywhere in the whole world, it's always the same. And so God is trying to get our attention. And today, I do want to talk about choices. That's a big thing with God. How many know that you had a choice to accept Jesus or to reject Jesus? That was a choice. God always gives us choices. And so I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Today, I'm going to be in the New Living Translation and no, Dave, I didn't cross over from King James. It's just God led me that way today. But who knows? If he keeps me in the NLT for a while, I'll be there. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're going to look at verse 19 and verse 20. And I, I want you to pay close attention, and I hope you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, and at least when you get home sometime this week, pull this up on the Internet and write some things down, because I believe... This is really a message that the body of Christ and our part of the body of Christ, we're not sharing it just our church now because we're out there on, on the Internet now. But the body of Christ needs to hear what God is saying today. As This, this is Pastor Moses talking to, to Israel. At verse 19 and verse 20, he said this, Today, and I underline this, I have given you. And the Holy Spirit through Moses said, I've given you something. What? The choice. God has given us all a choice today in 2020. The choice between life and death, between blessings and curses, between blessings and curses. Now I call heaven to witness the choice you make. Everybody say the choice I make. It says that heaven is watching the choice you make. Heaven is watching the choice you make. Do you know, I'm thinking, I want to stay with this. Do you know that Jesus said that at Judgment Day, said there's going to be a group of people stand before him, and they're going to say, Jesus, we cast out devils in your name. We prophesied in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. And Jesus said, I don't know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Jesus said that. Heaven is watching what we do. You know, this morning, heaven sees us in churches around the world. Heaven sees us. Heaven sees us when we walk out of this church. Heaven sees us at midnight on Tuesday night, what we're watching. 
heaven sees us at two o'clock in the afternoon on our jobs, how we're treating our fellow workers. Heaven sees us when it's time for church again. And we say, where did I leave my Bible? And then the one with you says, well, you had it two weeks ago the last time you went to that church service, didn't you? Well, yeah, that was two weeks ago, but I haven't seen it since. And then heaven sees you when you cry out in fear because you don't know the answers. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so it's all called choices. Say it again. Say choices. Amen. So he says, the choice you make, oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you would choose life. So that you and your descendants might live. That's talking about your children. Talking about your grandchildren. They can live. We're talking about 2020. You can make the choice how 2020 is going to be in your house. For your children, for your grandchildren, for the people you love. He said, you choose. He says, you can make this choice. Wow. That jumps off at me. You can make this choice. And you know, something over the years that I've learned, when things try to tempt me and overwhelm me, I stop and think about, if I don't make this thing right, then there's going to be a harvest, and I don't want that harvest. I want the right harvest. I want my family blessed. I want our health blessed. I want my grandchildren blessed. I want my wife blessed. I want the blessing of God And that's a deterrent to me to make sure I watch how I live. I watch what I say because I know that my choices have consequences. Amen. And so anyway, it says you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Does the Bible jump off of you like it does me when God says, The choices you make about loving Him is the key to your life. You want to know the key to stay protected from COVID-19? Love the Lord your God and obey Him. What the Bible says, do what He puts in your heart to do. If by chance that horrible thing got into your family, you want to know the key to getting it out? He says, choose life. Choose the Lord your God. Number one, He wants you protected. Number two, if it gets in... He wants to heal you. But he says, you've got to make the right choices to put him first and to choose him. Does your Bible say that too? Do you see that? This is the Bible. We're Christians. We believe the Bible. And then it says, and if you love and obey the Lord, you will maybe get 30, 40 years out of this life. He says, you'll live long. You'll live long in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, we're Abraham's seed, according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. We're Abraham's spiritual seed. We may not be Jewish people, but we're Abraham's spiritual seed through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he promised us long life. And somebody said, well, what is long life? I'm not going to go by what people say long life is. They change it all the time. Say it might be this, it might be that. It might depend on what race you are. It might depend on what gender you are. It might depend on what country you live in. I live in the kingdom of God. We say, we say, we pledged allegiance to the kingdom of God this morning. We saluted the flag of the kingdom of God this morning. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I do physically live in the United States of America. But I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the last time that God talked about what a lifespan was to him was when he talked to Noah. He said, man's days will be 120 years. You want to know what God thinks long life is? He already told us. He said 120 years. But then in Psalms, Psalms chapter 90, Moses, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they were complaining because they were all died out at 70 years old. The reason they died out at 70 years old was because they were under judgment. They were judged and God said, all you rebels, all you complainers, he said, you're going to go out here and you're going to die in the desert by the time you're 70. I believe the Bible. I want to stick with the Bible. I want long life. 
I want to live long. I want to live strong. And when Moses died, said he had all of his natural strength. It said his eyesight was still perfect. Said he lived in a healthy body till the day he died. And then I think about the, the men that Moses raised up. Have you heard of a man named Joshua and Caleb? Well, Caleb was kind of like Moses. Moses, you know, started his ministry when he was 80 years old. Caleb, when he was 80 years old, he talked to Joshua, who was his current leader. And he said, I'm ready to take my mountain now. I'm 80 years old, so I got my strength. He said, I'm just as strong now as I was when I was 40 years old. I want to go in. And so then Joshua told Caleb, said, okay, young man, 80 years old. He said, go get your mountain. And so we as Christians have to know that God wants us to have a long life. But it's all by choice, not by chance. And so life won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. One of the greatest gifts God's given every human being is the power of choice. It takes faith and an act of our free will to make godly choices that go against the nature of fallen man and the unsaved world we live in. It takes faith to go against the flow. Have you, has anybody ever heard, I, I'm not a nature guy, does a lot of things, but I heard years ago about salmon. You know the big fish salmon that we eat? They say that salmon, and these guys from Washington, Oregon might know about these things, but they say that salmon swim upstream against the current to lay their eggs. They got these big rushing mighty rivers. We've seen them on TV and think maybe you've seen them in real life. These rivers big and wide and flowing, lots of current. Salmons don't do it the easy way. God's got it in their nature to swim against the current. And, and, and they say that only the strong ones survive. The weaker ones, they don't make it. The strong ones go against the current and when they get up to where they lay eggs at, they lay their eggs and then in the DNA, they reproduce strong salmon. Because the strong was made it, it's in the DNA. That always reminds me of Christians. Weak Christians don't get a lot of victories. Weak Christians begat weak Christians. If you got very spiritually weak parents, chances are the children are going to be in and out of church, in and out of drugs, in and out of wrong sex, and lots of things in life because they didn't have strong leadership in front of them in the family. But you get a strong dad, a strong mom, Christian, they'll reproduce strong children. Amen. You get a strong pastor, spiritual leadership in a church, you're going to reproduce strong people in the church. Amen. Choices have consequences. I want to say that again. This year or your lifetime will not end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. What you choose is what you'll get. When I got healed a couple of years ago for blood cancer and heart attack, I wasn't lucky. I made the choice 40 and a half years ago when I found out Jesus was real to follow him. When I found out at a church like this in 1980 that the word of God was always true, if there's ever a failure in life, it was never on God's end, it was on my end. As well, things weren't going how the Bible said, if somebody was going to change, God already said in Malachi chapter 3, Pastor Dave was in there a while ago, but Malachi chapter 3, he said, I'm God, I change not, I'm not going to change. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday and today and forever. As so if he came for me to have a long life, if he came for me to be healed, if he came for my family to be blessed, and the blessing's not coming, then I know God's not having a problem. I do somewhere down here. I got an enemy in my faith called the devil. John 10.10 10 says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus told me how to deal with the thief. He told me in Matthew 18.18, 18, what I bind on earth is bound in heaven. I bind the devil. He told me in James 4.7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from me. He told me to fish his 427 to neither give place to the devil. So he already told me I've got a thief, but he also told me in Luke 10, 19, I can tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. So he told me what to do about it. 
I don't whine about the attacks of the devil. I exercise my authority in the name of Jesus over the devil. Then I walk in faith. I walk in love. I love God. I love His Word. I love people. I do what's right. And then He told me in Galatians chapter 5, Whatsoever I sow, that shall I also reap. Amen. Is this helping anybody? I, amen. Go ahead and clap, Connie. You got them started. Get it going. Amen. You know, I, I, I'm talking about us as Christians. You know, I, I'm just thinking about when I first got saved, I really didn't know any. My family had one Christian that knew it. My grandma, my Baptist grandma took us to church and et cetera, et cetera. Just as Jesus when we was young. But in my family, I didn't really, really know any Christians. But I'm thinking about the few that I met on jobs and things. I, I, I didn't know what was wrong with them. They was always tripping over their bottom lip. Man, they're so dejected and defeated in life. They just had their heads hung down. Just looked like they lost their, just, just come to a funeral and lost their best friend. Because they looked so depressed all the time. And then I found out what I got in the Word. and said under a pastor that taught me the Word of God. That even if I'm going through a bad time, Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Peter said, that said, said we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. What is joy unspeakable? That means you got so much it just bubbles up into laughter. You got holy laughter all the time. You're laughing. You can't speak it out. Somebody, you're going through a rough time. They're trying to figure out what's going on with this guy. He's just laughing all the time. You don't know what he's facing at home, what he's facing financially, what his family's going to, because he's learned the joy of the Lord is his strength. And so even in times we're living in right now, you believers of this congregation this morning, you ones watching me out there, if you'll start laughing at the devil, he'll flee from you. You start laughing at circumstances, you're going you're gonna, to in a very positive way affect the people around you because we are in this world, John 17 says, we're not of this world. We're temporary people passing through this thing and we know this is just a temporary thing. If we get to live out to 120 years old, 100 years old, I learned something years ago way back in, when I feast, preached the first funeral I ever preached at, I saw something I'd never seen before. There was, there was an old person laid there in a casket, and I looked at them, and the Holy Ghost told me, that's the finish line, there's the starting line. They finished this part, now they're going for the eternal part, that's the beginning of where they're going. And so I realized in life, just like a racetrack, we, we, I lived in Indianapolis, Indiana for, oh wow, what, before I came out here, 55 years. At the end of that was 500, they got a starting line. And every year in May, they have the big race there started in 1911. And when all those 33 cars pull up there, the announcer always says, Gentlemen, start your engines. And this big roar starts. And they take off from that line. But after 500 miles, the first one to cross that same line, it's not called the starting line now, it's called the finish line. And so I realized for where we are, God wants us blessed financially. He wants our families blessed. He wants our health blessed. He wants us to have the best, to wear the best, to enjoy the best in life. But He wants us to give Him our best. He wants us to put Him first. And so we realize that all we're doing right now, no matter how long we live, this is just one phase of our existence. Well, this is over with, and we stand in front of Jesus Jesus is not going to say, wow, man, they all lost their insurance, but you didn't. Man, but everybody else didn't have a good car. You had a good car. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, that was an awesome house you built down there. Jesus isn't going to care about all that stuff. Number one, he's going to say, welcome to my kingdom. And then number two, when you get it all awestruck because the streets are made out of gold and the walls around it are all jewels and stuff like this earth has never seen before. And then you see the mansion he has. You're going to think, man, that thing that Donald Trump had was nothing. His gold buildings, his gold streets, the things he had are nothing. Look what I got. That stuff will not matter anymore. And so we as Christians have got to know we can't get caught up in all these temporal things down here. Can't take them with you. I heard a preacher say years ago, 
he, he was at a very wealthy church, a very wealthy area. He said, out of all the funerals I've ever done, all the way to the graveyard, I've never seen United Vans lines with all the stuff go to the graveyard. The stuff stays. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So choices have consequences. God always raises up leaders for the times we live in. Tell the people what's going on, what he wants to do. Moses was a leader. And this passage we just read was, was, was spoken through Moses probably five, six thousand years ago. And so I want to go to Second Timothy chapter 3. Another spiritual leader. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. You know, you think, you think to me, when I think about the Old Testament, I mean, once we think of, but how, you know, I think most of the world's probably heard of Moses. You know, Moses parted the Red Sea and all the things Moses did. Moses was a great leader. He told the people what to do as the power of choice. He said, make right choices. And so Paul then, it talked about the times we live in Second Timothy chapter 3, still in the New Living Translation, said this. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that the last days, say last days. We are living in the last days. This part of the existence of society and the earth are going to come to an end very soon. This is the last days. For this earth as we know it says there will be very difficult times. Be very difficult times. And so he's talking to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor in the church at Ephesus. And Paul was like the Moses of his day. He was giving God's wisdom for Pastor Timothy. And also for us in 2020. How many know the word of God is the same? Yesterday and forever, Jesus is the word. This is the same. But he's talking about the last days. And so... That was the beginning of the last days when he's talking to Timothy. We're in the last of the last days. And so the wisdom of God by the Holy Spirit through this great man of God is the same wisdom today through this man of God for the people that God's assigned to listen to what I have to say. I'm not not going to give you my opinions or what I think. I'm going to tell you what God's already said, what he has written has anybody ever seen where Jesus was tempted by the devil of the wilderness? When the devil tempted, what did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. It is written to overcome the temptations. So right now, I'm telling you some it is written for your family. It is written. Here's what we do to have victory in our lives and family in the last days. And so... He's telling Timothy these things, and I want you to remember this. Choices have consequences. Say that with me. Say choices have consequences. And, you know, we call that seed time and harvest. Now look at verse 2. I'm going to read verse 2 through 4 and then make some, make some comments. It says this. For people will love only themselves and their money. Has anybody ever seen that? I was thinking about the other day. I forget what I was looking at. Some car part or something. And whatever that part cost, I thought, man, that's more than I give most of my cars. Give that much for parts. I mean, my first several cars I bought were only four or five years old. This is back in the 60s. Man, I never gave more than $100 for a car four or five years old back then. I remember my first new car I bought, $3,000. My first car back in the early 70s. And now, whatever they cost like that. That's all people think about, and I can't get sidetracked, so I've got to stay on course. But let me tell you the deceptions come into the world. They don't tell you how much a car, I'm talking about people like to go out and buy the new cars all the time. They don't, they don't talk to you about how much the car costs. They talk about how much you want to pay them forever for a car. I still pay cash for my cars. I am not going to be in bondage to have to every week, every month, have to worry about well, I got a choice. I either feed my family or pay the car. Well, we'd either go on vacation or pay for the car. Well, we'd either turn the air conditioner up because it's hot or save the money and pay for the car. I'm not going to be a slave to make it a car payment. Amen. So it says right here, I think about the things that people do with their money. People love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. 
Wow. Does that sound like a whole lot of things going on today? Scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. We are called of God to help turn around what people see and how they think. We're living in the last days, and Paul was telling Timothy what it was going to be like. It says, they will consider nothing sacred. Man, I'm not going to go down that political road in our country right now. There's some things that they say you can do, and it's okay, no problems, but just don't go to church. You go out and do this and all this, but just don't sing to Jesus. Wow, does this sound like the last days? Amen. Didn't didn't catch God off surprise, like off guard. They consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. You know, the New Living Translation of that says this. Watch the six o'clock news. This could describe what's going on in a lot of places right now, couldn't it? Amen. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Now, this is a spiritual leader 2,000 years ago by the Holy Spirit telling a young pastor what to do. And I want to say this for us. Many of us have been stuck in our houses because of COVID-19 for months and months, 24-7, Bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Even with the good news, there's so much bad news, they're afraid to tell you the good news because they want to agree with the bad news. Have you noticed that? By by the politicians, the scientists, everybody else, it's bad news, bad news, bad news. And people, people sick, people dying, death, destruction, rebellion against authority, and all the rights and things going on. And I think about the isolation. How many know that Paul was a good guy? And he was beaten and stuck in prison for extended periods of time. Paul's the one that said, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. And he was in prison. Paul's the one when he's in prison in Acts chapter 16, in stocks. You ever seen those stocks in medieval times? In stocks with the back beaten, as it says at midnight, him and Silas, the preacher with him, started singing praises to God. And God sent deliverance in there. And so he knows what isolation was. The guy that wrote this stuff. And you know, as I read this, talk about the bad things that are. How many uh, can see over that wall right there? See over that wall right there? See that little box right there? That's called a thermostat. Look over on this wall. That's a thermostat. Inside that thermostat is a thermometer. The thermometer tells us what the temperature is in here. The thermostat can change what the temperature is. And with all the bad stuff going on, there's a whole lot of thermometers around this country right now telling you how bad it is. There's not enough thermostats. Thermostats change the climate. Thermostats change the temperature. Everybody can be a thermostat. Well, hey, did you hear the latest on the on, on coronavirus? Oh, yeah, it's bad, getting worse. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, we're staying in. We're going to buy all the toilet paper. What are you going to buy all the toilet paper for? Well, because old Granny can't get out. She won't get any toilet paper because she can't get out quick enough. We're going to grab it off before Granny gets there. What else are you going to take? Well, they say, say the old sick people are the ones that catch it the most, so we're going out and buy two cases of sanitizers so those old people can't get any sanitizer because they're slow to get here. We'll beat them. <laughs> if the truth be known, that's what happens. Why? Because the thermometers don't know that Philippians 4.19 is in the Bible. My God shall supply all of your need. Amen. They don't know the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. They don't know, give us this day our daily case of toilet paper. Amen. They don't know that the Bible says we can pray for those things and we don't have to hoard it all up, etc., etc. And though thermometers can tell you how bad it is, 
thermostats say, a thousand fall at my side, ten thousand my left hand will not come nigh me. Thermostats say, as for me and my house, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. As for me and my church, we sing praises to the Lord. His glory fills our temple. As for me and my family, Psalms 34 says His angels are all around us. They're protecting us. Psalms 91 says, No evil shall come nigh my dwelling. And then our church does the thing we call the Barstow Faith Confession. In line with the Word of God, and we learn from the Bible, just as God told Joshua, every place that the soles of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. And then he lets us know as believers, we are assigned by God. You know, some of you may not know this. You may, you may think you go where you want to go, do what you want to do, live where you want to live, etc., etc. But the Bible says our life's not our own, we're bought with a price. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God has a city He wants you to live in, not by chance, but by choice. God has a house and a neighborhood He wants you to live in, not by chance, but by choice. God has a job He wants you to work at, not by chance, but by choice. And that's called dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. When you live in the city God called you to, when you work where God called you to work, when you're in the neighborhood God called you to, He's given you authority to protect that job. Protect the people on that job. He's given you authority to protect that city. Well, how can I protect the city? I'm not a policeman. The policemen are very, 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 very necessary, vital, and praise God for all the police that do what they do. But we are the protection for the police. We're the protection for the mayor. Worth protection for the stores in our area. Worth protection for the people of this city because God assigned us to this city and He told us we're supposed to bind things. We're supposed to plead the blood of Jesus. We're supposed to call those things be not as though they were. We're the ones called by God to change things here. We are called to be thermostats. We monitor what's going on and I can tell you, not in details, but behind the scenes in the 15 years I've been here, there's been at least a half a dozen times I know where the devil tried major assaults on our city. Had the preachers, had the believers behind the scene said, no, in Jesus' name, you're not doing that here. I know at least two or three times the big network's cameras come to our city hoping for racial riots. Try to promote the rights in our city. Try to cause things to happen. We said, no, Satan, you're off limits here. You're not doing it in Barstow, California. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. Cameras came and camped out for about two days. Couldn't get a story, so they left. If we, as believers, had not taken our authority, then Barstow may have burned up years ago. We've got authority. We're thermostats. We think what is you know, I think about back in Indiana one time, we had some bad things try to hit Indiana. The racial riots tried to hit our city down there. We were known as a racist city where we were. We're from there, but God sent us there. Ku Klux Klan used to have headquarters down there and things. We went there and we changed that city. We changed that city. I remember one time stuff got stirred up. They had the big ESPN cameras and things come down there to a sporting event. And they tried to get racial strife started. Well, we preached the love of God. We lived in the love of God, etc., multicultural people and everything. And people were all the time saying, what is Martinsville coming to? What is Martinsville coming to? Because they saw the trouble coming. And so I began to preach, what is Martinsville coming to? Martinsville's coming to Jesus. Amen. For, for our church, I had custom license plates made that said, Jesus. Martinsville's coming to Jesus. I rented a great big billboard on the highway, the main highway coming through town. I rented a billboard, and on that great big giant billboard that every car that city saw, it says, Martinsville is coming to Jesus. Amen. We were a thermostat. We were not a thermometer. We were not going to say, oh boy, Martinsville bad. Martinsville's toast now. It's, 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 it's too bad now. It's all over now. We didn't go for that. Same way with Barstow, California. Or if you're watching out there, whatever city you are, you can be a thermostat and change what is to what God wants it to be. 
That's called Romans 4.17. Calling those things that be not as though they were. We are to call those things be not as though they were. Amen. Amen. Is this good preaching or what? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And so, and so he says right here then, the next verse, verse 5. He says, they will act religious, all these different people, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. And then what does he say? Read this with me, this last, this last phrase. Stay away from people like that. Say it again. Stay away from people like that. Choices have consequences. Amen. You know, there's people we need to work with and we let our light shine. There's people in our families that are around us that we love. But we can choose who's going to speak into our life. We can choose who we're going to hang out with when we get off the job. We can make choices. You know, we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel for every creature. That's our calling. But we don't have to hang out with every creature that's throwing mud on us. Amen. I am not somebody's garbage can to vomit all over me all day long. Amen. He said, stay away from those people. And so I want to say this. There are a lot of voices on the news and probably your realm of influence at circle of friends and family that can misquote the Bible and take Scripture out of context. You know, the Bible doesn't teach hate. It teaches love. It doesn't teach get even. It teaches forgive. That's what the Bible teaches. And so there's a lot of people out there that take things out of the Bible out of context and even Christians and preachers so they can be politically correct and condone the things Paul warned us of in these verses. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. It's getting kind of quiet. But I'll tell you what I found out. 99.99% of the time, politically correct is absolutely 180 degrees opposite of what God said. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, God wants us to change what is to what He says. Choices have consequences. And, you know, uh, from what I'm seeing here, what we're going to look at, is there's two choices that are very clear. You can whine and complain, or maybe even join rebellion, or you can stay away from people like that. Says, stay away from people like that. Life won't end a success or failure by choice, but by chance. And I want to close with 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. And I'm going to show you the right, the right choices to make as we look at these things here. I'm going to put another thought in just a second. I want to read this first so we see this. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. When you see that, say amen. It says this, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. He's talking to a young pastor here, but it applies to a lot of you. It says, be an example, or I want to say this, be an influence. Be a thermostat to all believers in what you say. I put, I, I circled the say. In the way you live, I circled the live. In your love, I circled the love. In your faith, I circled that, and in your purity. And so five things there he told us to be an example of what we say, how we live, how we love, how we use our faith, and in purity. And so, first thing I want to look at to be a good influencer, this is the choice we're going to make to be a good influencer to everyone around us. It says in what you say. Be a good influencer, an example to the ones around you what you say. Now, get a picture of this. You've probably heard this before. I think Pastor Dave may have even used it, but just remember this. Most of the good things he's got, he got off me. <laughs> no, he got them off Jesus. Some of them he got through me. Now, get a picture. How many know in the natural in this country, there's a lot of fires going on right now. People are setting fires. But in the spiritual, in the spiritual, James said that the tongue is a world of iniquity, said it causes great fires. Our tongue causes fires or can put about. Get a picture. Say I got in my hands right now. In this hand, I got a bucket of water. And in this hand, I got a buckle of gasoline. I come up on a fire. 
What happens with that fire depends on my choice. I can throw the gas on it and the fire can really get out of control or I can throw the water on it and help put the fire out. He said that we're supposed to be an example of what we say. Well, in your friends' realm of influence, on your jobs, with the people you're with, what are you saying? Well, they talk about that disease in your family. Are you scared to death? You're going to get it? Are you praising God that you're covered by the blood of Jesus? And no sickness, disease. What are you saying about it? What are you saying about your kids and the people they're mixing with out there when they're not at home? You know, when they go back to school. Are the people around? Are you just scared to death? Your kids are going to get it, bring it home to you? Are you praising God that your family's a Christian family covered by the blood of Jesus? That you very faithfully present your tithes to God every time you get paid? And God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Is COVID-19 a devourer? Did God say I'll rebuke COVID-19 for your sake if you're a tither and you're walking in love? Okay. He said, be an example of what you say. So you're around the other people in your family, people that don't go to church, or maybe people that go to church sometimes, but they don't really study the Bible real seriously. What do you say and say, aren't you just scared to death your kids are going to get it? Are, are you speaking up? Are you going to be the person that's going to be the thermostat? You're going to say, no, I'm not afraid at all my kids are going to get it. It's impossible for my kids to get it. Number one, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Number two, we're walking in love, and the Bible says our faith works by love. Number three, we've tithed to Jesus, and he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for you, and people see you and call you blessed. And so, no, I'm not afraid we get it. They say, well, you've lost your head. And you say, no, I found my head. I now have the mind of Christ. I'm thinking like Jesus thinks, so I'm going to say what Jesus says about my family. Amen. Is this helping you? Amen. So we're talking about right choices. So we make the choice to throw water on the fires, to be a good influence. Then he says, be, 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 be a right choice, but be a right influence of the way you live. With all the negative people in your realm of influence, you can choose to act like a winner or be like a whiner. Are you a winner or a whiner? Amen. Years ago, I preached a sermon. Are you a winner or a weeder? If you're going to be an Oscar Mayer wiener, the devil's going to take a bite out of you. Remember that, remember that commercial? I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. I don't want to be a wiener. I'm going to be a winner. And see, so you've got a choice. You can whine or you can win. Amen. He said, how you live, act like, act like a winner. Hold your head up high. And if you go to the store, put your mask on and smile. Let somebody see your eyes shine. Amen. Amen. Whatever you do, you can smile while you're wearing the mask. And you know, it'd probably be a good thing for us as Christians to quit whining about the mask. I'm looking in the mirror right now. Amen. Why don't we just hold our heads up and do what's right? If we have to do it, we do it. And then just remember this, like the people, if they know what they're saying, say, it's not so much for us as it is for the people we're around in case we're one of those people. And, you know, I know that what they call it, asymptomatic or whatever that A word is about people that they got that stuff on them, but they don't have it. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. And so even if something tries to get on us, it may show up on a test. But if we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we're okay. But we don't want to spread it if it got on us. So we got to remember that about the mask deal. Amen. Doing better preaching. You are shouting again. It says, be an example in your love walk. Remember Romans twelve twenty one, we overcome evil with good, take the offensive. Attack the evil with good. And then it says in your faith. Be an example in our faith. Faith doesn't deny things. We can talk about this with other people, but we talk about it different. We talk about it through the eyes of the word. Faith changes things. We can't change. Now listen to this. We cannot change the entire state or our county. Our country, but our faith can change things in our home, on our job, in our church, in our city. We can't. This 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 thermostats here won't will not uh, cool off Barstow, California. They will cool off this church. 
Amen. Barstool is responsible out there to be their own thermostat, but we can influence our realm of influence. And this says, and your purity. You notice he says, be an example of our purity. I want to say this. Sin is a blessing blocker. Sin is a blessing blocker. No matter how much word you talk, no matter how much you praise God, no matter how much you tithe, if you won't let loose a sin, you're going to block the blessings in your life. And so I'll just say this for this verse. It's talking about purity. Live sexually pure. If you're living a life of fornication right now, or adultery, or sexual life contrary to the written word of God, stop. Get out of it. Change. Repent. Choices have consequences. He says, live pure. And then also, if you're still participating in alcohol and drugs and things that hurt your body, Jesus is your deliverer. The name of Jesus will get you out of that because God said right here, says you make the choice for life and death, blessed or choosing, choose life. Say no to the wrong lifestyle and yes to living right. How will 2020 finish for you and your family? The choice is yours. Amen. That's as far as we can go because we're limited to altar calls and stuff. So you have to do your own altar call. If you've been convicted of something, get right with God. And we're always here to pray for you, Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.